Tonight, what I thought we would do is, um, do you ever in your quiet times and in your time alone with the Lord kind of run across verses that kind of surprise you? And you go, wow, I didn't realize that was in the Bible. And um, I've had, I had one of those probably a month ago that kind of stuck with me. I've read it before, but it hits you in a different way. And it's been kind of just ruminating inside of me for a month. And I've actually had opportunities to share it with different people and talk about it with different people. And so when Ross asked me to do Wednesday night, I thought, well, immediately, that's the verse that came to my mind. I should do that. But over the last few days, I've had this gnawing feeling that, well, maybe I shouldn't share that. That's not the verse I should do. And I start this self-doubt starts getting in there. And finally, yesterday, I tackled it, right? By grace, we are saved through faith. My grace is sufficient. Alan, tackle it. Go for it. So that's my Sunday morning message. So I'm remembering that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the book of Jeremiah. We're going to go way back to Jeremiah, okay? And we're going to start at the beginning of it and read all the way through the whole book tonight. <laughs> Are you ready? No, not, not really. What we're going to do, and uh, by the way, I'm going to, uh, I couldn't get my notes to print, so I am going to be using a little bit of this computer to uh, glance at my notes at different times. And uh, the good thing about it is I only have 45 minutes of battery life left, so uh, you guys are in good shape. <laughs> Just want you to know that, okay? So we're in, good, we're in good hands tonight. All right, so we're gonna go to the book of Jeremiah. And before we start reading, we're gonna actually begin in Jeremiah chapter six, okay? But before we get started, let's talk about Jeremiah a little bit. You guys familiar with the dude? What do you know about Jeremiah? Huh? He did. He was, that's a good one. I didn't hear that one. He was the weeping prophet. You know how he cried a lot? Because he preached for, and spoke for 40 years and nothing happened. And in today's world, he would be considered a failure. And so he he, he was a young child, it says in, in, verse one, in chapter 1, and God came to him and says, I want you to speak to the people, to the nation. And what did he say? Sign me up! No. He said, no way. No way, I can't do that. I'm just a young child. Who am I to talk to all these people and to this nation? And God said, I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. Isn't that interesting that a lot of people in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, who get called by God and touched by God, have that self-doubt when they get a mission or a purpose or a direction to go. They deal with self-doubt just like you and I do. So here he is, lots of self-doubt, but finally he goes out and he begins to speak. God gives him visions and he warns and he pleads and he does everything he can and he's doing it out of a sad heart. It's not a real condemning heart, it's just sadness. You guys, you guys have drifted so far away from the way God intended life to be lived. You guys have allowed the, 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 the countries and the nations around you to influence you and you've gotten so off path and you need to get back on path. And sometimes he'd come in and he'd say, you know, some pretty harsh things and sometimes he'd come in and say, you know, if you just, if just one person turns around and comes back, 
God will, will, will relent. God will turn around and he won't cause the things that are going to happen down the line, and he warned them of it. He said, there's an invading nation from the north, invading nations that are coming to get you. Beware. But everybody just went along doing their own thing, and actually, they actually took Jeremiah, and they tried to squelch him, threw him in prison. They just did not like what he was saying. He didn't say what they wanted to hear. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds kind of familiar to the to the times that we live in. So with that in mind, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 6, and I'm going to read a snippet here, and I'm kind of losing my... um, Okay, so I'm going to read a snippet of Jeremiah 6. We're going to start with verse 1, and then I'll let you know where we're going to camp for tonight. So he begins in verse 1. Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth, and I, I butcher these names all the time, so whatever, Beth Hekarem. For disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. I will destroy the daughter of Zion, so beautiful and delicate. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents, each tending to his own portion. Prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading, the shadows of evening grow long. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Cut down the trees, build siege ramps against Jerusalem. In other words, I'm going to let you have them. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out wickedness, violence, and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. Take warning, O Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so that no one can live in it. And this is what the Lord Almighty says, let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again like one who gathers grapes. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they can't hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. But I am full of wrath. Of the Lord, but I, I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Poured out on the children in the street, the young men gathered together, both husband and wife will be caught in it, and the old, those weighed down with years, their houses will be turned over to others, together with their fields and their wives. When I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. So, in other words, he's sitting here. Indictment after indictment after indictment of what these people are doing. It's, it's, he's coming on kind of strong right now, okay? And he says, the prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Now let's stop right here because the next verse is where we're going to camp. Okay, in the midst midst of all this, that he's warning them, rebuking them, correcting them, telling them they're way off course, he gives another piece of wisdom right here in the midst of this that is, I think, is is apropos to today and what you and I face, and so we're going we're gonna to spend a little time on it. Right in the middle of this, he says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. 
Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. The crossroads, that's the, that's the verse we're going to camp on tonight. Stand at the crossroads. Okay? This nation was at a huge crossroad. Okay? They were, they were in the midst of, you know, being trampled by the north, and they had a decision to make, each one of them individually and as a nation. It's a crossroad. It's a time where they had to make a decision. How are we going to move forward? What am I going to do in this circumstance? I can go this way or I can go that way. Isn't that what a crossroad is? Okay? It's got options. And Jeremiah, in his way, says right here in the middle of this, this is another way to look at this. You're at the crossroads. You're at the crossroads. What are you going to do? Let me ask you a question. Do you and I find ourselves at the crossroads very often in life? What's a crossroad to us? What's a crossroad to us? Just asking that question. What kind of crossroads? Anybody got it? Anybody want to shout one out? Choices? Should I take this job? What other crossroads? Choose good over evil. How often do we face crossroads? Huh? Every day. I started thinking about crossroads. And all of us know the big crossroads, the jobs, you know, where to move, who do I marry, you know, how do I handle this, this sickness, you know, I've got a, uh, you know, we can name hundreds of big crossroads that we face. But you know, I started thinking about crossroads, and I started thinking this morning when I got up. The moment I got up, it's a crossroad. The moment I got up, what am I going to do with my time this morning? Where am I going to spend my time? Am I just going to go get my cereal, get on the internet, and, you know, and, and just look at what uh, Tiger Woods, you know, what his new thing is that he's, uh, you know, talking about with uh, Sergio, whatever his name is, and fighting over? Or am I going to, at that moment, spend a few minutes in the Word? Then my wife gets up, and I have a crossroad. How am I, I going to interact with my wife at this moment? Right? Then after that, I go and get in the car. And the moment I get in the car, somebody else is in the, on the road also. Doggone it. And I got a crossroad. Every, every stop I make, I got crossroads. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to deal with this? I get to work. People are interacting. I got crossroads. I got decisions to make at work. I've got all kinds of crossroads. You know, where am I going to eat? Where am I going to spend my time? I, I look online and I look at my bank account and there's things going on there and I got crossroads there. I get a phone call from my parents and crossroads I got to deal with there. You know, my kid's doing this or my, you know, there's crossroads. There's times of decision that need extra, extra wisdom and guidance and we can't take them lightly. That's what Jeremiah is saying right here. Guys, you're taking everything too lightly. You're taking everything too lightly and there are crossroads and I'm going to ask you this, this evening, in your own mind, think of a crossroad that you're dealing with right now. Think of a crossroad as we talk through this verse a little bit here, okay? Kind of picture your own crossroad and say, 
Okay, yeah, I can picture that crossroad in my life. I got something, I got, it's hard to tell which way to go. It's hard to tell which way to go. Okay? So he says, the crossroads of life, and we're going to look at this, and I like to look at passages of Scripture and look at the verbs, because the verbs kind of tell us what we need to do in the situation, right? So what are the verbs in this passage? The first one is stand. Stand at the crossroads. And then what do we got to do? We got to look. And then what's the next thing we got to do? We got to ask. We got to ask for two things, the ancient path and the good way. And what's the next thing we got to do? Walk. We got to walk. And then what happens? What's the reaping benefit after that? You find rest for your souls. So that's it, guys. That's the message tonight, all right? So can I close it up and we'll go home? <laughs> Let's unpack that a little bit, okay? You're at the crossroads. Let's go with the first one. Stand at the crossroads. Stand at the crossroads. What does that mean? I heard it. Stop. Isn't that a good message for us tonight? Stop. Isn't that a good message for us in our life? To stop. To stop and calm down and not keep rushing ahead. Not keep rushing ahead. Do you know the world we live in, and you guys know this just like I do, that, that, that everything is about faster, 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 faster. Okay? Which means you get up in the morning, you're behind. Right? So you get on the treadmill and you go and you run and you go and you go, 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 go. I talk to a lot of people about this. Everybody's wrapped up in this. And this is just what the enemy wants to do. This is the nations around us influencing us to go, go, go. And right here, he says, Jeremiah, when you're at the crossroads, which means moment by moment, day by day, when you really think about it and you break it down, stop. Stop. And implied in this stopping is be still. Is be still. Stop and quit just running through life and actually take a few minutes to be still. And there's a lot involved in be still. Be still. What does the passage in Scripture say? Be still and know that I am God. Wow. What value is there in being still just to remind yourself at that moment that I am God. Okay? Be still. I've, uh, I actually have a full message on this uh, passage in um, Exodus, but it's about Moses when he led the children and the people out of Israel in Exodus 14, and you can just make a note of that. But in Exodus 14, they had gone out from Egypt, and they were camped up alongside the Red Sea, and while they're staying there by the Red Sea, all of a sudden they see the dust cloud of the Egyptians coming after them. Okay? And the Egyptians are getting closer and closer, and of course all the people are saying, Moses, what do we do? What are we going to do? We're up against a rock and a hard place right now. We're at a crossroads. They're coming after us. What are we going to do? How, how are we going to handle this situation? And it's just beautiful what Moses said. Moses answered the people in Exodus 14, 13. He answered the people and said, do not be afraid. 
I want you to stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. <laughs> Sounds easy, doesn't it? Sounds easy for those guys. It's not too easy in our lives either, is it? To stand and be still. And to stand firm. I like that aspect of this word stand too. What does stand firm mean? It means, I picture being out, you know, I like to do a lot of stuff in the river and fish and different things like that. Sometimes I get out in the river and the current's blowing and I have to put my feet wide apart so I can stand firm in that spot so I can catch that big brown I want over there in the corner. But that's the idea. Stand firm. Dig your feet in. And at times like this, this is the first thing we want to do. We want to stand, be still, and stand firm at that moment because something's about ready to happen. And if we charge ahead and we blow through it ahead, we're going to miss some great opportunities. A couple of, uh, few, about a month ago now, I took, and I said this on Sunday morning, I, I, I can't help but backpacking and everything is so apropos to life. Uh, it fits into life, and it's just got word pictures of life. But we're, we're hiking on the way out the last day, and I want to get home because I've got an older body, and it doesn't last too long on the ground, and there's lots of aches and pains and everything else. So I want to get back. Well, we're hiking about two and a half miles, and then before we know it, it's three, and it's four, it's getting hot, and we're going uphill. And I go, dude, Guys, what's going on here? It was only supposed to be three miles out. And they said, I know, I don't know what happened. I, I, I can't figure out what happened. I, I said, well, who, who was in charge of guiding us out? And they said, well, were you? No, were you? Nobody was, nobody was there. <laughs> and so we stopped and we looked at our map and we really calculated and we realized that about two miles back, there was a crossroad and we were in, we were just had our heads down climbing and we blew right by the crossroads. And therefore, I'm out here two miles up another almost 700 feet on my broken body trying to get home. And that's what happens is if we don't take time at that moment to stand and actually, you know, be still and survey and, uh, and figure out what we need to, what our next step is. So, so that's the first part of this. When you're facing a crossroads, stand. Stand, stand, stand. The second thing that we find in this verse is look. Stand and then look. Isn't that perfect for where we were right there on that hike? If we would have just stopped, be still, and looked, we might have figured things out. Okay? But, it's interesting, this verse, what do you think, when you think of look, and when it comes to crossroads in your life, what do you think? What, what, what's, what's Jeremiah trying to say to us? What's he trying to say when he says look? Assess the situation. Exactly. Take some time to look around. Take some time to make some observation. Take some time to, to look at What's going on in the circumstances and situation you're facing? What's going on? How, what's going on with you? What's going on with the people? But look and observe. The best analogy I have of this is my son is a river rafting guide. And we go up to the American River probably twice a year. And actually, we're going to be doing that next weekend. And I love it. But we get to these points in river rafting 
where there's, we know coming up, the, the, the map tells us coming up, there's going to be a class four or class five, which is a little hairy. Okay, those of you that have river raft. The threes, you can kind of go through, but the fours and fives, you got to pull off. And you actually got to walk up the side of the river. And you got to look at that rapid because the water flow changes, the scenery changes, depending on the time of year. You got to observe and you got to look it over and you got to take it all in. And then you got to go back and you got to look at your raft and you got to see is my raft inflated well enough? Do I have all my oars? Is everything battened down? And then you look at your crew and you look at your crew and you say, How are you guys doing? Are you tired? Are you ready to tackle this, this rapid? Are you ready to do it? And you assess and you look at them and you take it all in and you look and you look hard at them. And the other thing you look at, which I alluded to there, is you look at the map. I'm learning this. It takes me a little time to look at the map. And now it's funny because I was thinking about the map. You know, when I was growing up, that's all you had. You, pulled, you had about 30 maps in each pocket of the, you know, the car, and you pulled them out when you went somewhere. Now it's just a lady. Turn left at the next light. <laughs> I hate those things. Shotgun. Anyway, you got to look at the map and you got to really take into account the map because the map is the truth. The map is where it's at. The map tells you what's the map in our life? We know that, right? We need to look at the map. We need to constantly look at the map to get our bearings to look in the midst of crossroads. We need to have that. We almost we have to have that map just as the Bible says, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It needs to be so much inside of us and so much a part of us that even when we don't have it right next to it, we have it just visualized so that when we face these situations, we know what to do. So we look at the situation, the circumstance, the people. We look at the map. And then the Bible says interesting things about looking and seeing. It says, I want you to look and see with your heart. Okay? I'm going to read you a passage that actually talks about that. It says, look in Matthew 13, 15. For the people's heart had become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. So I'm going to say a key component of looking here at the crossroads is looking with seeing and seeing with understanding and understanding at a deep heart level so that you know how to make the decisions you need to make and I need to make. I need to take these circumstances into account. I need to take this map into account. But it needs to be deep down inside of me so I'm not making a superficial decision, a flippant decision that I am really thought through this and my decisions are actually coming from deep within the source where God resides. You like that? Does that make sense? There's a lot to looking, isn't there? So when we face the crossroads, we need to stand, we need to look, and then what's the next thing it says? 
We need to ask. Ho, 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 ho. This one's a tough one. We need to ask. Because you know what? When we ask, we admit that we don't know. Okay? We admit that we don't have it together and we actually are putting ourselves in a right position with God. It's a humble position. It's humility, right? We need to ask in humility. We need to say, I need help at the crossroads. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say to this evening that unless we're saying I need help every step of the way during the day, but see, I don't know that it's all that good to, you know, once a week, okay, Lord, this week coming up, I need help. For that, for that, for that, for that. It's okay, but how much different is it on moment-by-moment basis to be saying in a constant conversation with God, you know what, I really need help with, with my relationship with my wife right now. I really need help when I sit down after work and I'm tired and I click on the news and all of a sudden before I know it, I'm over on that show. I really need help. <laughs> I shouldn't be over here. I don't want to be over here. It's not doing me good. It's not feeding my soul. Those are crossroads. Those are decisions. And we need to ask for help in those, in those times. We need to ask for help. The interesting thing here is it says we also, it gets a little bit more specific. We need to ask for the ancient paths. What do you think he's saying there? Think about that for a second. Let it ruminate in you for a second. What? And I'm gonna get, get, I want you guys to raise your hand if you think you know. Give me... God's speaking to all of us. He's not just speaking to me tonight. He's speaking to all of us. What's he speaking to in your crossroads, your situation? What's an ancient path? Ask for an ancient path. What do you think he's trying to say? Perplexing. Anybody? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong answer in this thing, but I think you're on to some cool stuff here. I think there's some things that God, this is, a, this, this is a big, full word. This is big and full. It's got a lot to it. Ancient paths. Anybody else? Hmm? Yeah, I would, I would do a word search on paths, ancient paths. It's kind of interesting because you'll find the Bible is stock full of paths. So it's, it's pretty interesting, okay? But the ancient path, let me tell you the word ancient has two connotations to it, okay? The first connotation is old, ancient. It's going back. Back when things and, and this is so, we are so different. I mean, I mean our, our society today doesn't like to look back too much. They just like to look forward, right? And we want to see, because something new, that's got to be better. That's got to be better. But the Bible says 180 degrees, says ancient, go, go back. Go back to the old, the reliable. The old and reliable path. And in fact, I think of this old and ancient, and I start to, I, I got this word picture of it. Those of you that have done photocopies, you've ever, have you ever done photocopies over and over and over again? And before you know it, you're using a copy of a copy of a copy, and before you, your copy looks pretty sad, okay? 
because it, it diminishes each time you make a photocopy of it. And you, if you're using that as your base for the next copy, it's gonna be off a little bit, and then the next one's gonna be off. And so I, I, in my mind, when I see this ancient path, I'm seeing this old, I'm seeing going back to the original copy. Go back to the original copy of how God designed it because there's nothing new under the sun is what he tells us. The same values and principles that govern people back in the Old Testament are the same ones that serve us today. And we need to be clinging back to those old ancient paths and old ancient values. So that's the first connotation with the word ancient, but the second connotation is eternal, forever is what it says. In, in, it, it means everlasting, indefinite, eternal path. So Jeremiah is trying to say, not only is it an old path that you need to be asking for, but it's an eternal. You know, things will come and things will go. You know, companies will rise up and companies will fall down. There will be a new iPhone tomorrow, okay? All these things will come and go. But the ancient path is going to be eternal. And we need to ask for that ancient path. We need to ask for that ancient path. And in this passage, when it says ask for, I like that too. I like to look at the little words because when you ask for something, you really want it. There's a component of desire there. Do you desire? And that's the question for all of us this morning. Do you desire the ancient path? Are you asking for it? When you come to a crossroads, what are you asking for? What am I asking for? I'm usually asking for a way out. Give me the way out. Give me the easy way out. The quickest way out. In fact, let me go get a lottery ticket. Not that I'm meddling, okay? I've bought a lottery ticket before myself, okay? But it, but it's funny how, when you think about it, when you step back and, th I just saw something on TV. You know how many billions of dollars the lottery is making? Where's that money going? Anybody know? <laughs> I know. We'll talk about that all night, right? But, but it's kind of this lottery mentality that we have now in our society that, man, if I can just get that ticket and my crossroads will all be solved, Everything will be hunky-dory. Or if I, you know, if I can just do... I had a friend of mine who kept spending all his hours, his waking hours, and his wife was crying out to him, I'm here, we have a relationship. And he's spending all his, all his time trying to develop an app. So that the... And I'm not sure how all this works, but the iPhone picks it up and he becomes an instant millionaire. Something like that. So he's spending all this time. He's at a crossroads, and this is the road he's choosing to do. This is the road he's choosing to go. Is that an ancient path? That doesn't feel like an ancient path to me. So we got to ask for and desire the ancient path. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, this is Solomon. I love this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. You know what? That's exactly what God's whispering to each one of us right now. He's, 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 God loves us. He wants to give us. 
Ask for whatever you want. If your birthday came up and somebody said to you, whatever you want on your birthday, before you blow those candles out, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do I want? It's exactly what Solomon was challenged with here. Ask me for whatever you want me to give you. Most of you know the story. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Isn't that beautiful? Give me a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Isn't that what we were saying earlier? That's what, that's what Solomon asked for. And here's God's response. Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So the ancient path is a path of wisdom. It's a path of, of desire. It's a path that's old, but it's a path for the future and eternal. And it also talks about, and, and I'm just going to quickly go through a couple of these other ones. Jeremiah 18, a little later in the book, it says, My people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their ways, and the ancient paths, and they made them walk in byways on roads not built up. And another passage in Judges talks about the, the difference between highways and winding paths and crooked paths. And the ancient path is a straight path, is a, is a highway. There's not a lot of potholes. Well, I shouldn't say that. Okay? There are potholes there's gonna be difficulty and there's gonna be struggle, but it's gonna be much better than the byways and the highways and the paths, the crooked and winding and confusing paths that the Bible talks about, the ones that lead us way off path. And this ancient path is a reliable path and a secure path. He says the, the byways are roads that are not built up, roads that aren't secure, roads that you'll slide down. In fact, when I go hiking, it's kind of funny because every time I see that as I'm hiking, I see the regular path, but every turn, there's always this byway where somebody cut through and figured I can reach the beginning of the path a lot quicker if I go down this way. And sometimes I get lured into it and say, yeah, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go down there. And as I start to go down there, invariably hit, trip on something, slip on the rock, it's, fall on my, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, and as I look at this verse, I'm thinking, that's the path. It looks shorter, it looks good, it's going to save me time. But doggone, it's slippery, and it's treacherous, and it's winding, and it's confusing, and it's not built up like the regular path. The regular path, the ancient path, the path that has been there from the beginning. So, walk, ask for the ancient path, and then the next thing it says, ask where the good way is. Let me give you a few Proverbs. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths 
will be found out. In the way of the righteous, there's life. Along that path is immortality. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light under my path. And in Proverbs 23, listen, my son, be wise. Set your heart on the right path. So not only do we have to ask for that ancient path, but where is the right path? Where is the path that I walk, that I'm walking in my integrity, that I'm walking in my heart devoted to you? Where is that path? I need clarity. Yeah, I see the ancient paths, but I need to see clarity also. Where is the good way? And make good decisions and right decisions as I go along. And you know, Proverbs talks about uh, the paths that are destructive. And a lot of times, Proverbs talks about paths that are laced with a woman. Then came out a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. And there's lots of Proverbs about this. And I, I'm speaking primarily to the men at this point. Guys, there is, you know in our society that, that the world has said, it's okay, you know? It's okay to dabble. It's okay to look at the magazines. It's okay to go on the internet. It's okay to, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And there are temptations to go down that path every single day. And I'm just going to say, that is a crossroad that guys primarily are facing, I know, every day, and it's a challenge, and you're going to have to make a stand, and you're going to have to ask for help, and you're going to have to really look around and walk in the ancient path. You've got to put this aside. It is destructive. It is killing marriages. I work with marriages. I work with marriages all week long. And this is something that is minimized, rationalized away. So I'm just taking a little caveat here, guys, just so we're on the same page. We, we're faced every day with that crossroad, and this is a crossroad we don't want to take lightly. Okay? All right, so with that, we ask, we stand, we look, we ask, and the last thing that verb that we got it, that it talks about here is walk in it. When you find the right way, you walk in it. You take one step at a time. You expect pain and difficulty along the way, and you expect opposition, okay? But he says, I want you to walk in it. I want you to put some energy. Don't hesitate. Don't vacillate. Don't procrastinate. But when you have done all your work of standing, looking, asking, it's time to walk. It's time to get off one path and get on the right path. Right? And I think some of us take, some of us need to t take into account the stand, look, and ask a little bit more. And some of us need to, to get this one, right? Walk. Walk in it. And there, I'm, gonna, I'm with you guys. I'm there too. Sometimes, because of my nature, I will stand there a little bit too long. And God has you know, whispered in my heart that you need to walk. You need to walk even if you can't see the end, Alan. 
Even if you can't see the final end, if you know enough that this is the path today, you know, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us right now, is what the Hebrew says. And so if we can just see this much of the path and we know it's the ancient path and we know it's the right way, we need to take one step at a time. And along that path, we're going to face difficulties. Run with, run with endurance is what Hebrew says. We're going to need endurance to keep going, to face those difficulties, to face some of those potholes in the highway and, and, and that opposition and all those people pulling at us. It's going to get difficult. And then there's going to be opposition. Nehemiah, beautiful book. Nehemiah was... was commissioned, and he had it on his heart to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Opposition, opposition, opposition. And, and that's a great book if you're dealing with opposition from other people. So walk in it. A couple more and we'll be done. The, the next thing when, you th when, when I look at this passage on walk, and I think about movement, and I think about don't vacillate, don't hesitate, don't procrastinate, I kind of look at a little deeper on this passage. It says, not only are you to walk, but you're to walk in it. You walk in it. Once you decide you're going to be there, you're going to walk in that path, which means you're going to be fully present at the moment. You're going to be fully committed to that path. You're going to be engaged, and you're not going to be distracted, and you're going to put away all the complacency and I can't tell you how many... I don't know why this is. I think we're getting... We're getting overwhelmed with all the information that we get hit, bombarded with. But so many people nowadays are going through, I sat with a man last week that he, he comes to me and tells me, this is, you know, my, my life is like a bunch of sinks with dishes piled up all over the place. It's a mess. And I, we started talking and he says, yeah, I know I'm responsible because I was complacent I was distracted, and I was doing other things along the way. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't engaged with my wife. I wasn't engaged with my kids. And now I've got this, 20 years later, I've got 10 sinks with all these dishes on it. And I don't know what to do. And I, I hear this story, similar kinds of stories. I don't know what it is about the checkout mentality that we have. But this passage says, we need to walk and walk in it and be fully engaged and be participants and be really, another word I like in this, is be alert. When we're walking in something, we're really being alert. We're, we're watching things, we're being diligent, and the Bible says, be careful. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And there, are, there, is, there is enemy forces against each one of us trying to divert us off the path and pull us away from what we need to be walking in right at this moment and right today. Wouldn't you agree? Okay? So we need to walk in it. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I was up near Dunsmere. Ever been up in Dunsmere? It's way up in the boonies, up above Reading. And I'm up there, and this is another one of those fishing trips, and I like to go trout fishing, and I had my my buddy and I went up there and we got up early and there was this one stream that we decided to fish and so he said he'd go down that way and I said I'll go up this way and I'm excited like a little kid you know I got all my 
you know, lures and everything else. And I'm looking up and I'm looking around because you've got to survey where you're going to throw your, you know, your line. And as I'm walking up, I stop and, and I look. And all of a sudden, I feel this very uncomfortable feeling on my legs. And I look down and I have like 25 yellow jackets on this leg and 25 yellow jackets on this leg. And they simultaneously, and my friend told me this afterwards, they have some trigger mechanism that they all sting at the same time. And as soon as I saw those guys, I jumped in the river and I was, I was, I was crazy. I was just swinging because they were circling around and I lost my pole and I'm just diving under the water. And it, it, mind you, this is like 7.30 in the morning and this is freezing cold water, but I didn't care. I was in the middle of that water just running around in that thing and swinging and finally I stuck my head up and I realized they had kind of dissipated and I looked down at my legs and I said, oh, will they survive? I don't know. I'm going to have to cut them off. I don't know. No. I just looked at them and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm not hurting too bad. And anyway, I got out, looked over at the side, and I realized I had stood right on their home, on, right on a nest. Are those the ones that are in the ground, yellow jackets? And I had stood right there as I was looking at, I was so distracted by the river. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't alert. And before I knew it, here's, Here's what happened. Fortunately, the water was cold, and I realized that that really helped, so I didn't have that much, it wasn't that bad on my legs. And I got back to the truck, and I looked at the guy, and I said, I just got stung by about 60 yellow jackets, and I think I'm going to go into cardiac arrest sometime, so, so get ready to race me to the hospital, you know? I'm panicking a little bit, you know? <laughs> and the dude looks at me with all the compassion in the world, you know? Eh, yeah, that happened to me one time. Dude, dude. So I tell that story to say, you know, when we walk at the crossroads and we're, it's time to walk, we need to walk and be engaged. We need to walk in it. We need to be alert. And then we will find rest for our souls. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't the outcome of that sound good? How many of you need rest for your souls right now? All of us do. Why would the Bible say it so? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. How many of you quote that all the time <laughs> during the day? I find myself quoting that one all the time. When I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm overspent, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The Bible talks a lot about rest for your souls. And right here it says, if we will do this at the crossroads, no matter how bad the nations are, no matter how bad everybody else may be, or the world's crumbling around, when you face the crossroads, if you'll stand, you'll look, you'll ask, and you'll walk at the appropriate time, there's rest for your souls. There's rest for my souls. Last story, and then we'll wrap it up. I had a, uh, another guy that I was talking with not too long ago, and this gentleman had really gone down the wrong road for a long time, and... He really hurt his family, and he hurt his wife in many ways. And about six months ago, he finally came to a place of brokenness and humility, and he confessed to his wife everything that was going on. And it's been a hellacious six months. There's been a lot of difficulty. It went from bad to worse first. 
okay? But he sat in my office last week and he said to me, Alan, I don't know what it is, but I have never felt so much peace and rest in my life since all the secrets are out and all, uh, I'm, I'm, up to I'm up to speed with everything. There's nothing to hide. I didn't realize how, how secrets can churn my life up and screw me up and mess me up. And he says, now I'm feeling the best peace and rest in my life. I think my blood pressure's gone down about, he wanted me to check it. Because <laughs> he really felt like it had gone, I'm sure it has. But that's what God promises, is if we'll stay next to him and we won't divert off the path and we'll, we'll, we'll take it seriously when we face the crossroads in life and we'll do what he's saying to do here, to stand, look, ask, and then walk. Then we've got peace for our souls and rest for our souls. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Jeremiah and uh, we sometimes forget that he was a man just like us. And he was in a time in history when he was sharing all these things with the people and nobody was listening to him. And in the midst of all this, there's this beautiful passage about crossroads and how much it applies to us today and our crossroads that we face moment by moment. So I'm just asking that you just really embed this into our hearts and you help us tonight and tomorrow to remember these things, some of the things, just the things you want people here to hear and to remember. Not things I said, but things that you want to embed in their hearts. And make us more like Jesus as we leave here. And I pray this in his name. Amen.